Blog Talk Radio. You boys better hold on because I'm going to have to stand on it. He had a mean streak two feet wide. A son of a gun with a taste for fun and more than his share of pride. Take a dirt road curve with a devil's nerve make a car dance across the mud. And holler and shine with his regular lines and the track got in his blood. With a real hot shot and he bragged a lot. The man that fool could drive. Cause he loved the field with a steering wheel and the girls with the bedroom eyes. And in a race of pine or a bar room fight, old Stroker stole the show. A backstretch blazer, a real hell razor, and a racetrack Romeo. Mama, lock your daughters up, that's why I'll punch back in town. And them little girls get frisky when they hear that race car sound. They're bringing out the yellow flag, somebody's breaks to fail. There's all sick on the inside and a wreck along the rail. You better stand on the stroker, cause a bandit's on your tail. For a country boy when he hears them engines moan But you gotta hang tough and it gets real rough when you're out there on your own Cause they'll push you around, they'll knock you down, they'll shove you up against the wall And you always know when the engine blows that a man can't win them all You could push that car just a little too far any Sunday afternoon And if you break your neck, some damn fool wreck, they forget about you soon But old Stroker Race was born to race and it's worth all the trying Just to drink champagne in the victory lane and to hear that concrete wine Stroker, get your dander up, this ain't no time to lag. You got to make a lap up if you're gonna take that checker slide. Number 10 is closing in to even up the score. It's time to wave bye-bye and put the pedal on the floor. You better stand on the stroker cause you're blowing off their door. are the sounds of NASCAR at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Drivers, start your engine! Green, green, green. What a perfect day for racing. Hello, hello. Catch the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500, the Renai 250, and the Active Pet Control 200 benefiting Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Ignite all your senses, February 24th and 25th. Sunday tickets start at just $39, and kids' tickets are only $10. Visit AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com. Good evening from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside my good friend, COSpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, how are you doing this evening, bud? I'm doing pretty good. I am back from Daytona, so that was fun. You were, you were back and you were tired, and I want to talk about that in just a second. But let's go ahead and bring on Reverend Joe. Reverend Joe out there on the West Coast, he's been our Reverend now for, I guess, going on four years. Let's let, let's let Reverend get the invocation going, and uh, we'll start talking. Reverend, how are you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing okay, guys. You sound like you're doing good. I'm glad Stephen had a safe trip. Yes, sir, me too. I had heard that uh, he got all the way back from Daytona, just right outside of Richmond, and not a scratch on the car, unlike a lot of other people at, people at Daytona. 
That's a trick in itself. I hear the parking lots. This is dangerous. <laughs> yes, sir, uh, it is. So we get this party started, and uh, we'll let you guys get going. Yes, sir. Crank it up, Rev. Lord, we come before you today, and we thank you for the rights you give us in this wonderful country to be able to speak and go to races, have fun. Tonight we want to ask a special blessing upon the families and friends of those who were involved, got involved in that whole shooting down in Florida. People do some weird things, Lord. We know why, and we ask you, please, to help us all to turn our hearts to you and end this silliness. We want you to give us a blessing tonight on our whole country, all of those involved in making the decisions, and all of those in auto racing. Protect them. Protect all involved in auto racing all over the country as things get cranked up and watch over us all. And we thank you for your son, sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so we wouldn't have to. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Reverend Joe. Let all of our listeners know where they can follow you at on your social media sites and your website. You can follow me on Facebook at Rev Joe Bubbico, B-U-B-B-I-C-O. My phone number is 951-232-7630. You can email me at ontrackwithjesus at AOL.com and our website is on track with Jesus.org. We look forward to talking to all of you. And Reverend, uh, on this West Coast swing, is there any? I'm sure there is one or two races you and Miss Betty are going to go to. Are y'all going to uh, Vegas, we'll maybe California? We'll turn on all of them. Yeah, we, okay. we already got our our camping spaces for for Phoenix, and we've got a room in Vegas. California is up the street from my house, so that's not a big problem. But um, we're looking forward to all three of them, hoping our health and our legs hold up for all of it. But uh, we'll be getting reports from that. And uh, I'm also going to bug the gill and see if I can't get to both of them on the, on the show for you. Okay, that sounds great, Reverend. And if you have time uh, in them Tuesday night shows that we have prior to them or after them, if you want to stay on a little bit longer, I'm sure Stephen and I would be glad to have you and talk about what Absolutely. all you've seen, what all you witnessed. Okay. That we'll sounds good. So, so we will definitely plan God on that, Reverend. Guys. God bless you too, Reverend. Tell Miss Betty we said hello, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday night. All right. Take care. You too, bud. Stephen, that's Reverend Joe there. He is Johnny on the spot. Okay, let's talk about your trip down to Daytona. That's a long ride from Hayes, Virginia, right outside of Richmond, isn't it, bro? Well, it takes me about 10-ish hours to get down there and 10-ish hours to get back. Um, I didn't make it to the duels on Thursday because I was driving and didn't make it there in time. Um, but uh, I was able to get there throughout the rest of the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to kick off the NASCAR season with the trucks, Xfinity, and the NASCAR, uh, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series there with the Daytona 560 running down there. Um, a lot of cool things down there going on. Um, you know, if you look at some of the incidents, it's a typical ta- uh, Daytona or Talladega, but it's the most prestigious race in the world. And uh, the number three is back in victory lane again. 
Yeah, you got that right, brother. 20 years to the day, correct? Yes, it's been 20 years. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. attempted this uh, multiple, multiple times. And uh, finally, um, in 1998, he was able to take the number three card, Victory Lane, uh, Victory Lane uh, in his only Daytona 500 series uh, victory there. Um, and Austin Dillon driving the car 20 years later was able to, on a last lap pass, battling with Eric Amarola. Uh, I know there's a little bit of controversy into that. Eric Amarola um, has made some statements. Danny Hamlin has made some statements into it. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's typical uh, Daytona. Uh, you know, bump drafting is very much in effect, um, you know, at these places to get around these racetracks. And on the last lap, um, you really don't have any friends out there. It doesn't matter how long or what you've done throughout the four, last 499 miles, it's that last mile to the checkered flag, that sometimes is the only thing that counts. And, Stephen, you and I touched on it a little bit last week. Uh, NASCAR implemented uh, they're not they're not going to do the uh, the uh, ride height ride height through like they did there at Daytona. They're not going to do it here at my home track, Talladega, neither. Uh, did you notice how low the teams had the rear end of the car? And just to let our listeners know, uh, dropping it down that low takes the rear spoiler down out of out of the air, which gives it more more speed and I, I guess a little bit of less downforce on the rear end. And you know that it's sort of the closing rate also too, Stephen, was a lot quicker, except for if you got out front and led, like we had discussed last week. Uh, you know you you can you can jick and jew from the bottom to the top and try to try to take the air off of the actually take the air off of the car trying to come up to you. But uh they had them scored it down pretty good, didn't they, Steve? Yeah, they I mean they really did. I mean they had these things nailed down all the way to the asphalt, all the way around the car. Uh, you know, one of the things you just talking about is just taking is getting that air off the spoiler down there, but also getting some of that drag from underneath the car. Um Everything that a team can do and possibly do to get and reduce drag from a car uh, in these highly, highly uh, aero, aero tracks like that, um, you know, they they will do anything and everything that they can. So the air moving underneath the car and onto that back is, is obviously pushing more uh, downforce on that car, which creates the drag to the car, which slows the cars down. Uh, clo- the closing rates aren't as fast as you've already talked about. Um, you know, they've also gone and done things in the cockpit of the car to keep air out of the cockpit because any air that is, you know, in the cockpit creates a pressurized cockpit, which also will create some drag on the race car, too, at the same time. So they've done multiple different things, and this is just one more step in the process where they are, um, you know, NASCAR has ultimately listened to a lot of these teams. Um, you know, we've only seen one race under this. It looks like it did its job in, in picking up some of the draft a little bit better as far as closing rates and being able to get out there um, potentially and get around some cars. But at the same time, you know, we, we've still got to, you know, we're still working on things as far as the, the restricted plate is concerned. Um, I know that Doug Yates earlier today, he was just on Twitter where somebody asked him, why don't you run, you know, a smaller three liter or 3.5 liter engine in these cars and get rid of their stretcher plates out here. And his uh, response to that was wait. So, 
is NASCAR potentially looking at some of these engines uh, in the future that will open them fully up. And without restricted plates where ride height rolls and, and downforce sometimes aren't as dependent, well, we'll see. But I just thought that was an interesting comment out of him earlier today. Hey, Stephen, you touched on something real touchy there. You know, there's a lot of fans, a lot of listeners, a lot of my friends there. I know a lot of your friends up there in Virginia have always wondered why they put that restricted plate on that car, like here at Talladega and down at Daytona. And uh, some of our listeners might not be old enough to remember back in 19, don't don't let me say this, don't let me correct the wrong, day, 87, I think I was working out there. Bobby Allison got up into the catfish cat catch fence right at the start finish line with Harold Kinder up in the up in the up in the uh flag stand and Harold never missed a beat. He never missed a beat. I was standing up. I had walked down one of the aisles and I was looking down there and I seen when the when Bobby come up into that catch fence and there's there's so much air when the car got turned around backers which they didn't have the uh the uh roof flaps that would come up then. And uh that's another thing that NASCAR has really done that I really like, other than the Hans device. I, I am praising them for the Hans device, the safer bear, all that kind of stuff. But when the car got around backwards, especially back then, in the late 80s, early 90s, there was none of that. The engineers didn't know exactly what that car was going to do. And when it got up, and it got up in that catch fence, and it come all the way down, right, and just how it didn't get Harold Kinder in the flag stand, I do not know. But what it, do you think if we take the plates up, with that being said, do you think if we take the plate off the car now with all the safety implementations that NASCAR has put into place, do you think we can keep that car on the asphalt right side up? Well, you know, that, you know that's kind of where they come in is, you know, Jack Roush invented these, these roof flaps that, that are now in every single car when you go to these tracks. Um, you know, Jack Roush is an engineer. He's always come up with a lot of different innovations throughout his career in NASCAR, and this is one thing that he's come up with that I think, you know, has really helped these cars. And over the years, they've tweaked these. They've made them bigger. They've changed the place, placement on the hood. I mean, sorry, not on the hood, but on the roof. But they've also implemented on the roof, on the hood, too, because the more air and more drag they can push down into that car and create that pressure, it's going to keep it on the ground and keep it from tumbling or uh, rolling down the track or getting up in the air, getting up into the catch fence. I know that, you know, you can't, you know, you know, racing, as I always say, is inherently dangerous. And if it's going to happen, it will happen in racing. And just look at, you know, Kyle Larson just a couple of years ago in NASCAR Xfinity Series where he got up into the fence and he had the roof flap on the car. So, you know, not all the time, you know, are they going to, you know, uh, you know, keep it on the ground. But to your point, in the 1980s, you know, they were running 700, 725 horsepower. You know, these cars are now producing over 800 horsepower piece. I mean, we've seen an increase in um, the engineering design of these cars, not only from carburetors to fuel-injected engines, but the precision tuning that goes into these these engines now, producing, you know, over 800-plus horsepower, um, 1,200 or so uh, foot-pounds of torque. You know, getting something like that and keeping something like that on the track, especially at a 2.66-mile Talladega or a 2.5-mile Daytona, um, you know, those cars are going to run well over 200 miles an hour just by themselves if you open them up. I mean, you're looking at probably the 220, 225 range. And that, I think, is, you know, you know we've 
it's kind of, do you want to keep running these cars as fast as they go, but not necessarily does, do you need to get to 225 or so with these wide open cars without a restricted plate, because it doesn't always produce better racing. Um, you know, there is, there is an aspect of this where a slower car produces some better racing side by side and better, better races for the lead. Um, and, you know, I don't think we're at a point that, you know, we can just take the restriction plates off these cars and let them run around with 800 plus horsepower. And, uh, you know, not only the safety aspect of it, but the racing aspect, of it, we're trying to keep the racing as close as possible. But I do think that, you know, if, if, if NASCAR and the engine builders and those guys start looking at some of these engines like the 3.5 liter, uh, you know, that Doug Yates, you know, was referenced earlier today. Um, and they only produce around 400, 450 horsepower. I think that, you know, we could be in a, in a position where they're still run 200 miles an hour around Talladega or Daytona, but, you know, still produce the close racing that we've naturally seen without a restrictor plate. Yeah. And, you know, you know, NASCAR could possibly go as far as, uh, changing the, uh, diameter of the, of the hole on the plate. You know they can they can mess with that, and you know as well as I do, you take a you take a one thirty second or one sixty fourth, and you add it or take it away. That is a lot of horsepower that forces, which we have electronic fuel injection now too. I forgot about that. So how 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 would you go about that, Stephen? You got the electronic fuel injection, and you got the plate, but it still is going to draw so much through air through that plate to make it go faster or go slow well yeah i mean that's why they're always talking about in 30 seconds or 64 of an inch taking or adding away you know depending on what it is i know that steve o'donnell did address this one time before and i believe he said that they that they measured the diameter of the plate the holes in the plate to keep the cars at right around 200 miles an hour or so at a place like daytona and don't quote me on the exact quote for him, but it was referenced one time. I believe somebody asked him the question on, you know, the sizing of the diameter on the bores. And that's what it is. Um, you know, they, they look for a com- competition side of this, and that's where they're looking at the competition right at 200 miles an hour at a place like Daytona that produces naturally decent racing in a restricted plate environment. Uh, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of testing and tuning to get to the point where if electronic fuel injection on something like a smaller engine fully loaded um, without a restrictor plate onto it, um, it's going to take some time for them to develop. I know we've said this for 20 plus years of the restrictor plate on cars, and, um, you know, we're no closer today, maybe a little bit closer today than we were 20 years ago, but we still got some ways to go. Amen, Stephen. And let's bring on our our guest. That uh, he probably don't really care that much about that restricted plate because at the mile and a half track over there at Atlanta Motor Speedway, they don't have one on them yet. Let's bring on President Atlanta Motor Speedway, Mr. Ed Clark. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Y'all ready for this? 
president of Atlanta Motor Speedway, Ed Clark. Ed, how you doing tonight, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, sitting here in shorts and a T-shirt in the middle of February and looking forward to a great weekend of racing. The weather's going to be beautiful, warm, sunny all weekend, and, and just really looking forward to a great time here at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Amen. I am too, Ed. Uh, Suzanne and I, we're going to head over Friday morning. Uh, and like I, when I when I seen the weather forecast, I said, this is going to be awesome. I said, Ed's going to love it. It's going to be awesome, Ed. Good weather. Some, first, some question, weather. Susanna, first question Suzanne asked me is if she could wear flip-flops on pit road this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, she better not do that because I know how she is. She'll be, walking, she'll be walking around with that phone up. Hey, I'm a woman paying attention, and somebody like Clint Boyer come flying through there and run over and crash her. We don't want all that to happen. <laughs> Hey, and I want to thank you again for taking time out to call in. Uh, I want to give Michael Lillard a big shout-out. Michael sort of stayed with me and sort of helped me get you hooked up for this. And I don't want to take up too much of your time because I know Stephen has a lot of questions. But uh, I got the press release from Atlanta Motor Speedway earlier, and it, it is the, uh, it's uh, titled uh, Top 10 Can't Miss Attractions at the Foes of Honor Quick Trip 500 weekend, which I posted on my site, and I think Stephen did also. But I was scrolling down through here reading earlier, Ed, and I come up on the featured concession items. And I've seen this. I, I don't think I've seen it uh, last time I was over there at the track. It's called a uh, a Clark's Cluck Sandwich. Can you let us and your listeners know what the Clark's Cluck Sandwich is? It's named after you, Ed. Well, it's uh, you know I didn't have much say in the name of it either. Uh, but but basically it's it's a, a great chicken sandwich. It's got a piece of bacon on it. Which hey, say no more. It's got to be good. It's got bacon on it. Everybody loves bacon. Uh, a special mayonnaise sauce, a pickle on a on a neat bun, and it, it's actually very good. If I say so myself. Not that I had anything to do with it, but uh, if you're there and want to try one, I, I would highly recommend it. It's it's a good uh, variation from a hot dog or a hamburger, and um, I've actually eaten them a few times and, and really enjoy them. Well, good. And, Ed, you know how Steve Post is with MRN. Every time I see Posty at one of the tracks, he's always talking about bacon, Smithfield bacon. I got a little little uh, chug out there for uh, Smithfield. But, yeah, I, I love some bacon, too. And I just wanted to go there first, Ed, with the, uh, with the food deal, because we all love food, Stephen and I both. And uh, Stephen's – Stephen's right outside of Richmond up there, and uh, we went to Martinville a few years. He's big on the Martinville hot dog, so I guess now it's going to be the Martinville hot dog and the uh, and the Ed the Ed Clark sandwich over there. But uh, well, Ed, I grew uh, up in Virginia. I've consumed my quantity of, of Martinville hot dogs as well, and uh, they're pretty good. Yes, sir, they are. And Ed, we're uh, we're we're coming off the big two and a half mile track down there at Daytona, and we're coming. You know, we. Steve and I, we were just talking about the uh, the uh, no ride hype through that they had at Daytona. Now we're coming to your track, Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's 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 got character. It's a track of it that sort of sets out other than which is a it's a it's a sister track to uh, Texas and Charlotte. But Atlanta's different. Ed. Can you let it talk a little bit about how you know it's it's just Atlanta. Well, it's certainly different than a lot of the other mile-and-a-half tracks. First of all, our straightaways are only a quarter mile long, and the turns are half mile each. So it's more round. Uh, you're able to keep your RPMs up, and therefore the, the lap speeds traditionally are faster. 
Um, a lot of drivers tell me they may not be going as fast as say you may be at Michigan, which has newer asphalt, but it certainly feels faster than that. Uh, our, our asphalt now has been through 39 racing weekends. It's worn out. They're going to be this weekend with the temperatures up. I was talking to Chad Canals this morning. They're going to be slipping and sliding around. These guys are going to have to manhandle these cars. They're going to have to get up on the wheel, physically drive them. You're going to see arms and elbows flailing all day long. When, when the 500 miles are over, these guys' tongues are going to be hanging out. Their arms are going to be worn out. And yet they're going to have a big smile on their face because they had a tremendous time out there doing it. They love our track. They love the fact that it's, it's more driver than car, and you, you get to go out there and kind of control your own destiny. Um, and and it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's fun for the drivers, and it's fun for the fans to watch them go out there and perform. And it's different. It's, it's uh, you know, a track that a lot of drivers consider their favorite track because of that. Tire fall off on a full, full tire run is going to be three seconds plus according to my conversation with Chad Canals this morning. And as he said in the conversation, if he can make that three seconds, 2.75 seconds, they they stand a good chance of being in, uh, you know, in consideration for the win. And that's, that's uh, what makes us unique. It's, it's not easy, uh, but the guys who won there have truly earned it. And the winner's list at Atlanta Motor Speedway reads like a who's who of NASCAR racing through the years. And Ed, my final question: uh, the uh, y- y'all are going to do something a little bit different this year. The uh, front stretch victory lane. Y'all are going to let uh, after after the winner comes down and it you know does his does his does his interview there at the uh, start finish line. Y'all are going to let the fans are going to be allowed to come onto the track surface once the winner goes to victory lane. Yeah, that's that's okay. something new. Um, first of all, before the race, we're going to let them go down and sign the wall. You don't have to have a pre-race pass to do that. You can buy a pre-race pass and be stage front uh, for Chris Jansen pre-race concert and for driver introductions. Go over to the pits and, and see the cars up close. But you don't have to do that to come down and sign the wall. And then after the race, once we get everything set up there on the front straight away, we're going to open the grandstand let the fans come out and, and help us salute the race winner. It's something a little bit unique, it, it, but it brings the race closer to the fans instead of being over and our traditional victory lane, which is across the grass over behind the pit wall. So I hope the fans who are there will enjoy it, come down and celebrate the, the, the conclusion of the race with us. And uh, anything we can do to bring the action closer to the fans, I've never had a fan vote against me. And, Ed, I want to thank you for taking time out to come on the show, and I want to thank you everything you do for the sport of NASCAR, Atlanta Motor Speedway. And uh, Suzanne and I will see you probably Friday afternoon. And, uh I'm going to throw you over to SpeedwayDigest.com, Stephen Wilson. Thanks again, Ed. I'll see you this week. Thank you. Sure thing. Ed, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. I just want to expand just a little bit on what you said earlier. You, you had 30-plus races on this track surface. It was late uh, 22 years ago, just after the old North Wilkesboro Speedway. Um, can can you talk just a little bit in your opinion as to why you think the drivers in last year kind of came against Atlanta Motor Speedway and SMI repaving this racetrack out there, but other racetracks over time and even tracks that we don't go to anymore have, you know, similar surfaces out there, but they felt that Atlanta wanted to be the one surface that they came to and continue coming to 
with his many graces on and his many years of aging into it? Well, I think there are a couple of factors. Number one, the, the teams that run well here have got a pretty good handle on the place, and they don't want to give all that up with new asphalt. Uh, number two, with new asphalt, as you know, um, our place is the toughest track on the entire circuit for Goodyear to build tires for, and uh, you will truly have to manage your tires and be careful. When we paved last time, we had tire issues for a number of years. Uh, Goodyear came in and ran an extensive three-day test with Jeff Gordon, Bobby Labonte, and one other driver. can't remember who the third driver was, perhaps Dale Jarrett, and, and uh, developed a tire that has kind of kept us trouble three free through the years but with new asphalt the slowest way the fastest way around the track is the shortest everybody's going to be diving for that bottom going in turn one at about 215 miles an hour and uh that's that's a pretty pretty uh, uh interesting situation for the drivers i think and i think that's another factor i'm not sure a lot of these guys out there want to be rolling into turn one at 215 with somebody on their bumper so I think all those things come into play. We know we're going to have to do it eventually. Nobody wants to repave, but the asphalt is just totally worn out. And if if we have a weekend, um, one of these races where we, we have rain or something and we have some weepers, I think that'll be the time we'll do it. But our plan right now is to run the race weekend, see how it goes, see if we have any issues, and then evaluate thereafter. And just one more question on the asphalt surface out there. Being 22 years old like it currently is, what are you guys doing to keep this track prepped and ready for the next race, considering that you guys only run one large weekend event, you know, throughout the year with these uh, stock cars on the track? Well, the reason we haven't had to pave before now, Stephen, is every October we religiously go out and seal every single crack on the surface. We seal behind the uh, outer wall. Uh, any, anywhere that water could penetrate under and freeze and, and, and create heaving in the wintertime, that's why we've gotten 22 years with this surface. Uh, just our operations guys have done a tremendous job every year, and it's something we've done literally since about the third year after the track was paved, and, and it's allowed us to get a lot more years than you would normally get. Um, that's probably the biggest single thing. And number two, we just had a great asphalt mix. It was, it was a polymer bind and um, it's just held up to, to time. But if you go out and look at it, it's pretty worn out and, and pretty chinked up. Again, it's what gives it the character, I guess, that the, the word that the drivers use. But uh, that character is going to go away pretty soon. We're going to have to repave, and it's going to be lightning fast and uh, going to be pretty interesting. be a whole different Atlanta at that point. I want to talk just a little bit about your doubleheader on the weekends, Active Pest 200 or on uh, 250. You guys are running these back-to-back on the same day. Talk about what goes into this and the decision-making process to run both of these events on the same day. Well, it's something only we do, um, and I, I hope the fans enjoy it. They tell us they enjoy it. Uh, we, we ran trucks years ago, and uh, – fans really enjoy it. Some of the most compelling races we've ever had at Atlanta Motor Speedway. We went to uh, to Labor Day weekend and the schedule didn't allow for us to run all three divisions, so the trucks went away. Fans fans asked us to bring the trucks back when we moved to February and went back to daytime events. It gave us an opportunity to do that, and it's just something that makes us unique. The fans get two events for the price of one. It's a great family day. Kids 12 and under are absolutely free with adults on uh, Friday and Saturday. 
They're only $10 for the cup race on Sunday in any grandstand section. So it, it's a great day to bring the family out. There's a lot of breaks in between. There's there's activities for kids out in their kid zone and in, in their fan zone and just so much for families to do. And they get to see all three divisions of, of cars out on the track that day. So it's a big day. It's a full day. Uh, we start practice about 9, we finish about 6.15, and when, as people are leaving the stands, we're kicking off our, our, our fan fest party that goes on to about 10.30 Saturday night, just a, a welcome party, basically, that, that just says thanks to the fans who come and attend our event over the weekend. And my last question that I have for you, you just you just talked just a, just a tad bit about this just a second ago. You guys are. You guys did have a Labor Day event for so for some amount of years, and you've moved back to this slot just right after Daytona before they go out to the West Coast. How do you feel about your slot right now on the NASCAR schedule as it as it as it you know them going out to the West Coast behind you and then them coming right from Daytona so close? Um, does that affect you guys in any way? And are there anything that you guys are looking at to capitalize on being the second race of the year? Well, I think what we capitalize on the, is the fact that it's the first of the year. Everything's new. Uh, we're coming right off of Daytona. There's all the buzz going on about that event. Um, it's We've had tremendously warm weather the last it'll be three years now running in, uh, in beautiful weather. Um springtime people want to get out and be doing things and and uh, that's a plus for being where we are uh if i had my choice i'd probably be later in the year but i don't it's uh it's something that was done pretty much to facilitate fox sports one of their requests to nascar but um it, it's been good we, we've had good racing and and uh we'll continue to hopefully to do so and <clears throat> we, we work really hard I, I think there are some pluses to being early in the season and um, um, so, you know, we look at it in a positive way. We make the most of any situation we have. And and our goal, as always, is to deliver a winning experience to every customer every time. That's what we strive to do. We have a lot of fun doing that. Get to meet a lot of great folks that come down from our events from all over the United States. And we'll be doing that this weekend. Can't wait to get things started. Well, Ed, I appreciate you again taking the time to come on here tonight. Before we uh, let you go out of here and let everybody know uh, how they can follow all of you guys over there at Atlanta Motor Speedway on social media, where they can buy tickets for the upcoming events this weekend. And, again, I appreciate it. And best of luck to you this weekend. Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram, all the social media opportunities. Uh, to get information about our race weekend, you can go to atlantamotorspeedway.com. It's got the schedule of everything going on there. Uh, we update that pretty much daily now through the weekend. Uh, still have great seats at great pricing. Uh, got some great camping left. It's not too late. You can get together, bring your group over, and have a good time. If you're a first-time buyer, you can call our ticket office at 877-9-AMS-TIX, and our folks can help you out. And when you get to the track, Download our app because we put on there something new about every five to ten minutes. We tell you where you can see drivers out in the fan zone, all the other activities you can go to really have a full experience when you come to Atlanta Motor Speedway. Ed, thanks a lot. Uh, I appreciate it. You have a great weekend. Yeah, good being with you guys tonight. Thanks so much. Anytime. Come back soon. All right, Steve, that was President of Atlanta Motor Speedway, Mr. Ed Clark there. Uh, 
I knew the I knew the conversation about the asphalt was going to come up because I had asked uh, Kyle Bush two years ago after he won the uh, Xfinity Series race over there about the uh, about the surface and was he looking forward to a repave and he said no. If he didn't want it repaid, he would rather it stay like it is. And then, you know, Atlanta was talking about a repave. They, I think they had some stuff scheduled. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I guess the driver's council or the RTA or whatever, uh, I don't know who all got involved, maybe NASCAR also, with uh, which the drivers, when the drivers speak, NASCAR listens a lot now. And just like Ed said, he said there's going to come a time when Atlanta's going to have to be repaid, but it's got character, it's got the bumps, it's got there's so much going on. And you ask you ask Ed a real good question. They go out every October and they seal the cracks. But just like Ed said, if we ever have a big rainy weekend and the weepers come out, uh, it's probably going to seal repave. Yeah, I think so too. You know, 22 years old being on an asphalt surface like that, either polymer or non-polymer. I mean, it it really is, as he says. It's, starting to slowly disintegrate onto itself you know as these cars get out there and they run 200 215 miles an hour out there one of the fastest tracks that we go to on the circuit uh, circuit with these cars uh you know it, it's really putting a toll onto this onto this surface out there and i know with this uh, you know polymer asphalt blend that they put down that he just talked about that and honestly i didn't even know that they had used the polymer blend out there um, you know, that, that helps the track out in longevity sometimes, but the problem with it is he just talked about any service that you're going to put down the first several years into it is just really just not going to create the competitive racing that NASCAR and even the drivers are looking for. Plus, it's going to bring the speeds up because there's better grip on these tracks. Right now, um, you know, this track is, is very gritty and it wears tires down, so it gives the opportunity for these drivers to slip and slide and be all over the place. Uh, a new track just doesn't give you that. I mean, for a great example of this, just take a look at Auto Club Raceway. The last time they repaved was more than a dozen years ago, about maybe 10 years ago. Progressively, as each year, they've come back to that track. The racing at that track has gotten closer, better, um, and, and, and more competitive. But in the beginning, it was a very long, drawn-out cycle uh, conveyor belt around the racetrack for many, many, many laps out there. Um, a lot of fans complained. A lot of drivers complained. They just said it wasn't a very exciting racetrack. Now we go to Atlanta some 10 years later after a repave, and we say, this is some of the greatest racing in the world out here. And I think, you know, that is also sits on the minds of Atlanta Motor Speedway. It sits on the minds of a lot of track presidents and engineers that go out there and look at this and say what they're going to do and when they're going to repave it because they kind of don't want to be put in that scenario where, you know, they don't feel they have the most competitive racing because they repaved a, a racetrack. David, I want to change gears a little bit and get off the asphalt. Uh, you asked Ed Clark the uh, question about uh, about his date uh, after Daytona in early February, and he mentioned uh, Fox Sports was part of the date being where it is set with NASCAR, uh, just sort of let our listeners know about how NASCAR and the tracks have to work with the, uh, with the, uh, with the television, with the radio. So, I mean, it's not only NASCAR, it's you got Fox sports too. They have to work things in also. So that's, he had brought up a good point. You know, you bring in Fox sports and they have to work their date in there too. And, you know, 
what all they got going on other than, you know, racing, baseball, football. There's all kind of stuff going on. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's kind of one of the biggest things right now that uh, that comes up. When any when any NASCAR fan sitting out there says, oh, why don't we just pick the race up and move the race from A to B? It's it not a simple and just pick – yeah, it, exactly. You just can't pick a race up from A to B. There are logistics involved that are years of planning. They just don't start planning these races a few weeks before. When they lead Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend, they are already making plans for 2019. In fact, Daytona has been making plans for weeks for 2019. They just don't work these things a few months or a few weeks out. They have to work with all of their partners out there. They have to work with sponsors. They have to work with TV, radio, uh, print, and media publications. They have to work with, uh, you know, a lot of different moving parts and pieces out there. You've got to work with vendors. You've got to work with the people that are coming in to, uh, you know, as much as changing light bulbs in the stadium. I mean, this comes down to... It is a very complex system of moving parts and pieces that each week NASCAR picks it all up and moves it from city to city, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of manpower and a lot of just uh, organization to keep this keep this working, and it's just not as simple as saying, let's just pick up a race and move it from here to there. And Stephen, he had also touched on, uh, I had asked him, I had mentioned the question about the front stretch victory lane. This is something like Ed said, they're going to, this is their first time doing it. So they're going to allow the fans to come down. Like he said, where victory lane is, victory lane is back behind, back in the back back there. The way he, the way Ed talked, they were going to let the fans come down onto the track and be able to be in the tri-oval, maybe on pit road there to look over into victory lane and actually get the fans closer. Just like Daytona did when Daytona built the new, the new garage areas for the fans to get closer. I hope Talladega does that here. Maybe Russell and uh, and uh, Grant are listening. You know, get the fans closer to the sport. That's what I hear everywhere I go, every track I go. I want to be able to get closer, be able to see more. But turn, you can't put them that close in the situation you and I are in for as media. You have to let them do a post-race, pre-race, what have you. I think that's a really good thing that Ed and Atlanta Motor Speedway is doing up there also. Yeah, it is. You know, over the last several years, you know, you, you took a look at, you know, going back to the 90s where, you know, this sport was just building itself up. It was in its most popular phase of, you know, what we're going to consider NASCAR. Uh, they were riding high. And as part of that riding high over the years, it, there was a lot of work and a lot of catering with um, – you know, the, the sponsors and the people that, you know, put this sport on and, um, you know, it, it kind of got taken just a little bit away from the fans and all these festivities were taken to the back behind pit wall where fans can't see, um, you know, only certain people are invited to it. And, you know, that's just sometimes a product of your popularity at the same time. Whereas, you know, in the seventies and eighties where it wasn't as popular, um, you know, more fans could come in and do things, but now as we've increased our popularity, um, it, it makes it hard. It's like going to a football game. Not everybody can go and stand on the football field, you know, watch an NFL game or stand on the sidelines in the dugout during a baseball game. Uh, and these were some of the products of popularity that, you know, NASCAR, the tracks, 
uh, the drivers, the, the, the sponsors, and everybody are really starting to work as a concerted effort to move these events back out and place the drivers back into the public uh, eye, more or less, um, and get them get the fans closer to them. We've talked about what Daytona does. Richmond International Ra- uh, Richmond Raceway up here is doing the exact same thing with building out the garages so that you can literally walk through the garage and see teams working on the cars. Um, they're moving Victory Lane in, in their new uh, upgrade up here. So all these things that Atlanta and Richmond and Daytona and even uh, Phoenix are all doing out here will hopefully continue to spread to other racetracks out there. Talladega, bring those guys out to the football field and let them sit on the football field or stand on the football field with the car out there fresh off a win. You know, these are things that get the sport back in right in front of people where they fans have been requesting for many years. And Stephen, I want to let you know a little something about that football field. You're talking about the travel here at Talladega. It's a little bit further across that thing than it is down there at Daytona. Let me tell you, because I have walked it, son. Coming out of the press box, coming down across the trioval, and walking across the grass, headed toward pit road, it it's further than you think out there. But, yeah, that would definitely, Russell and Grant there, that would definitely, if there's some, some way they could work, maybe get with Ed Clark, Atlanta Motor Speedway, NASCAR, work out something like that, that way that they can get the fans a little bit closer. And also to touch on your statement there, uh, uh, where was I going? I done lost, I done lost where I was going. I, I, was, I was trying to go. So, oh, NBC Sports, we're, we were talking about NASCAR and everybody getting the fans closer together. You know, Rutledge would, Last year, with when after Fox's uh, deal run out, you know NBC takes over, and uh, Rutledge and them started interviewing the driver on the start finish line as soon as he got through doing his burnout. And a lot of people say, "Well, why do why are they why is why are they doing that? Why don't they go ahead and let him get to victory lane?" And I also thought about that too. Why are they going? Why do they not let him get to victory lane? Interview him there, but. The driver gets out of the car anyway or pulls up there close enough to get the checkered flag. Why not interview him right there? Just like you said, it's putting that driver closer to the fans where the fans can see him like you said because they can't see across that football field here at Cabo Super Speedway or at Daytona without having a pair of binoculars. Well, it's not only that, but, you know, it's sometimes the pure and raw emotion that you get out of a driver that that wins an event. When he gets out of that car after uh, burning out, crossing the finish line before he grabs that checkered flag and and rushes to a celebration uh, in victory lane, uh, that pure and raw emotion, it, it comes right out of the driver. We saw that in Austin Dillon this past weekend. He pulled up. He was in front of the grandstand. He, he had the emotion. His team comes out there. Everybody's out there. They're talking to him. He, he, they're all jumping up and down and hugging and, you know, um, you know, celebrating right out there where the fans can see them. And it's that pure, raw emotion sometimes that we try and capture for the fan. And the closer that fan can get to that raw, pure emotion, the more they start feeling connected with either a driver or the sport in general. Exactly, Stephen. And uh, just want to get your take coming out of coming out of Daytona. What was uh, some of the good stuff you've seen? Far as uh, far as what NASCAR done? Far as what you've seen as a media member on track 
off track, the way that everything went, just sort of let just sort of let everybody know how your weekend went at Daytona International Speedway, if you don't mind. Well, I can tell you one thing. On Saturday afternoon, that race it it, it, it went five overtimes, and eventually, when we got a winner, um. NASCAR had to go back to scoring and timing and release a fourth decimal uh, yes. decimal uh, for the closest vic- margin of victory in NASCAR National Series history. This one even beats out Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven uh, at Darlington Race Winning the Southern 500 uh, back in 2003. The, the race at Daytona for, 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 excuse me, for Saturday was six ten thousandths of a second or a matter of about three inches. And that's kind of amazing that, you know, we, we go five overtimes to get one of the closest races in, in NASCAR history. And I know a lot of people don't like this unlimited, unlimited overtime deal. But at the end of the day, when you can see something like that, a positive come out, some of the closest history, you know, the closest finish in NASCAR history. Um, I, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you have to look past um, the NASCAR overtime and see it for what it is. And it produced some very good racing out of it. Uh, I thought so. I thought, yeah, sure. You know, about the second or third one, you know, a lot of people are starting to get tired of the NASCAR overtime, but it was well worth it after five overtimes. I think it was too, Stephen. And to see your pictures on the Twitter and everything, pictures of your office and everything right there, you, just like you said, to let our listeners know, they with NASCAR adding that fourth digit to the right of the decimal point, I'm trying to be like an engineer here, I guess. I don't know. I, 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 have, to take my sho- I, have, to, I have to take my shoes off to count. But to add adding that fourth decimal, I mean, that is a lot. I mean, just – Looking at, I know you sent it on timing and scoring. You sent it in person. You uh, using the press box, all them TV screens and everything. You could see everything. That much, Stephen. It looked like it was maybe the width of my point seven millimeter ink pen I have right here. It was that much to the line. Yeah, I mean it really. Yeah, it really wasn't NASCAR when they finally did release that out because the scoring monitors were, you know, all bullseyes, all zeros straight across, both of them at the line, all zeros. Um, and NASCAR did finally come out and say it was six ten thousandths of a second or three inches. I mean, that that's just incredible that you're going to see something like that. Uh, you know, not only at Daytona, but at any racetrack. It doesn't matter where you are, just seeing that kind of, you know, just compelling finish to the end, um, I think just kind of proves some people wrong on the NASCAR overtime. Yeah, I do too, Steve. And I can't wait for this weekend to get over here at Atlanta Motor Speedway and see Ed Clark and the bunch over there. Michael, there. I want to throw a big shout out to Michael there, the PR guy, for helping us get Ed on. Ed's always, he's always a good guy. He's a character. Every time I've met him over there, Stephen, he said, Tim, you and Suzanne need anything, you let me know. I said, Ed, we're fine. Thank you very much for having us. Coming up here on top of the hour, uh, Stephen Wilson's been to Daytona. Uh, Suzanne and I are supposed to go to Atlanta for the 2018 season. Uh, back on the radio right now, having a blast. 
having a ball. I'm back at work, got me a new plastic hip. I'm walking good. So, uh, Steve, I want to thank you for being a good friend. Thank you for everything you do for the sport with your website, uh, Speedway.S. And thank you for hosting uh, my website, thepitstopradio.net. Steve, let everybody know where they can follow you at on social media and your website. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. We've got Nick Olsen going out to the racetrack this weekend, too, at Atlanta. So um, I'll be sure that you you guys get hooked up together. A couple of y'all out there covering this weekend. um, We're just getting this season kicked off here. A long ways to go. A lot of of drama that will eventually unfold over this season. Uh, already seeing the number three back in victory lane, I think, is you know, is starting to kick this season off in the right direction, the high points, um, and they can take this momentum to move on. But three races and, this weekend out there for you guys. Yeah, and it's going it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I've got where I can walk, so I ain't worried about it. But uh, Stephen, uh, we have uh, we have an okay, we have a go on us doing a live radio broadcast from Atlanta Motor Speedway. Uh, we will not be infringing on any rights. Uh, we will not be infringing on Fox Sports. So if you want to do a live show, just let me know. I'll let our listeners know. We'll do our live show, do something similar to what like Michael Walter does. Uh, Stephen will be handling the studio up there just right outside of Richmond. And uh, myself and Suzanne will be walking the garage. We might do a little one-hour show on Saturday or whatever Stephen has time for, or if I have time for, because there's a lot, a lot of people don't understand exactly how much a media member goes through for trying to cover one of these events. But Stephen, you just let me know. Like I said, uh, Mike said we are, we are go. So whatever you want to do, if we, if we want to do that, that live show, we'll do it. And if not, we will talk to you next Tuesday night. Um, I want to thank Stephen Wilson again, speedwaydigest.com. Y'all give him a follow. Stephen knows his stuff. And you can follow me on uh, Facebook, Tim Spain, uh, at the Pit Stop Radio, at Titty Lyman on Twitter. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this is our going in our fifth year, Stephen, doing the radio. We did, didn't plan on everything getting as big as it did, but we're having a blast. And Stephen, say hello to Anne Marie and the boys, and we're going to say good night from Talladega, Alabama. And I will be at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend, and we will talk to you either then or next Tuesday. Have a good one, Stephen. Take care. Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man sewing on a fiddle and playing it hot, and the devil jumped up on a hickory stump and said, boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul because I think I'm better than you. The boy said, my name's Johnny, and it might be a sin, but I'll take your bet you're going to regret because I'm the best as ever been. Johnny, rise up your bow and play your fiddle hard, because hell broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold, but if you lose, the devil gets your soul. up his case and he said,
said, I'll start this show. And fire flew from his fingertips as he rolled up his bow. And he pulled the bow across the strings and it made an evil hiss. And then a band of demons joined in and it sounded something like this. Johnny said, well, you're pretty good, old son, but sit down in that chair right there and let me show you how it's done. Fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. The devil's in the house of the rising sun. Chicken in the bread pan, picking out dough. Granny, let your dog bite, no child, no. devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And he laid that golden fiddle on the ground at Johnny's feet. Johnny said, devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a bitch, I'm the best there's ever been. He played fire on the mountain, run, boys, run. Devil's in the house of the rising sun. The chicken in the bread pan, I'm picking out dough. Ready when you don't fight, no child, no. These are the sounds of NASCAR at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Drivers, start your engine! Green, green, green. What a perfect day for racing. Go low, go low. Catch the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500, the Renai 250, and the Active Pest Control 200, benefiting children's health care of Atlanta. Ignite all your senses, February 24th and 25th. Sunday tickets start at just $39, and kids' tickets are only $10. Visit AtlantaMotorSpeedway.com.